Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Danny Roth. And this is Song versus Song. And uh, I want you to <laughs> listen to us argue about which of these two songs is the better song. We are doing, like, two songs that are very near and dear to my heart, and I have, like, every note written on my soul, and this was extremely hard for me. Yeah. We are doing Take Me Out. Wait, 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 wait. What? I just wanted to say how excited I am that at long last, I also get to weigh in on uh, Float On by (laughs) the Floaters (laughs) and Take Me Out to the ball game, a great matchup. Ignore that idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you realize that five years later, I you know, if you go through the comments on the on the Patreon, people are still mad. Yes. Because okay. five years ago you did an April Fool's where you were gonna do float on and then you did float on by the floaters. Like a jerk. Are you sorry? Do you feel bad? I hadn't thought about it, but now that you mention it, uh no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess we better make this count then. All right. So. Okay, so the real matchup we're doing today, uh, Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand from the wonderful year of 2004. Oh, yes. One of my favorites. We've done, I mean, we've done episodes about 2004. 2004 comes up in this podcast. Well, you know, what was that? We did the, the emo. Is that the one you're talking about? I think. Well, also, um, Ushers. Ushers, yeah. Also, also 2004. Came out in 2004. Did, did Hey I come out in 2004? That's a 2003 or right All there. All right. Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand from 2004 and Float On by Modest Mouse, also from the wonderful year of 2004. A classic. A classic year. Everybody loved it. Everyone was so happy. Another four years with George W. Bush. Oh. I'll tell you, I remember it like it was yesterday. Everyone was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> what a great year it was. Oh, I mean, that's part of the, the narrative of these songs. I guess we'll get to it. But... What uh, what do you remember about... Do you have any strong memories of these songs? Because I know I do. N- no. Really? No. You ready? This is, this is it. <clears throat> and now, a list of bands I was listening to and was therefore too cool for Modest Mouse and Franz Ferdinand. All right. Deerhoof, Blonde Redhead, Latigra, Feist, The Fairy Furnaces, Stars, Interpol, The Black Keys, uh, Clinic, Rogue Wave, Suffolk Stevens, Beulah, Wilco, Sleater Kinney. I just was, this is as close, 2004 is probably peak music snob for me. Wow, I I did not know that. I didn't know you were too good. No, for- I mean, this is, this, that's bullshit. I mean, that's a conceit and a stupid one. Yeah. But uh, the point is that in 2004, I, I don't know that I was ever actually a, a music snob, but I was my most music snob adjacent. In 2004, I had a lot of friends. I remember, uh, uh, I had a lot of friends, period. Uh-huh. Many, many years ago, not anymore. But, uh, but at the time, I knew all these folks. They were all musicians. They were all these sort of like rad femmes. And so I went out and uh, lived in Ann Arbor for a little while. They were all getting out of uh, university. They were just finishing up at U of M. And I went and lived in this house full of lesbians. And, well, you know, we would write music and... Uh, they would get me into different stuff that I'd never heard of before, and it was a really good time. In 2004, I did not give a shit. I was too cool. Oh, wow. The, this is amazing to me because the crew I was hanging out with was a bunch of college girls that I'd made friends with, and they were all into like Pink and Avril Lavigne and Evanescence. And so I was the cool one for being into... <laughs> I was like, have you checked out these actually quite popular bands that are getting big right now 
and well, it's dumb to, to say the- that Modest Mouses. I mean, they had yeah. been big for a long time. They just had never, for whatever reason, had never been that hard on my radar. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't. I never got really obsessed with them. They're good, to great. Even I just, you know, for whatever reason, they were never my band. I was like not super intense with music yet, or like I would like. I mean, I was. I was just so far behind that I was absorbing everything all at once. And I didn't get around to Modest Mouse because they had the reputation of being like, if you want to hear shit that will ever remotely be played on the radio, like this is this is way too hardcore for you. You will net. This is for the pitchfork pitchfork diehards only. I brought and, a pitchfork to somebody the other day, and they had no idea what it was. <laughs> Pitchfork's too cool for them. I was into Pitchfork before they were big. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Back when they were pitchforkmedia.com. Yes. No, I actually is like, let's see what they said about it at the time. And I looked up Pitchfork's review of the album that came out before this one from the year 2000. And they're like, Pitchfork, it's not as cool as you think it is. We don't have an office. We're not editors not running around. We just talk about music. And not even in a cool place like a coffee shop. Just online. We don't even have the rights to Pitchfork.com. Yep. They sure didn't. But there's one thing that we all agree on. Something that brings us, makes us really feel like we're a part of this, like a part of a community. We all love this album so much. Oh. Yes. And that is The Moon in Antarctica from the year 2000. Well, that was their first uh, uh, like mainstream release, right? Their first major label release. Yeah. But like the, the Pitchforks types had been jerking off about them since the 90s. So, And I was like, I'm, I'm still getting, getting my footing. I think that's a little too cool for me. I've got a billion other things to look for. Like, who is this U2 band I keep hearing about? <laughs> 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 oh man what no like i i had a deprived childhood so like i was like trying to catch up with everything all at once well then i assume that in 2004 you were crushed when the great band creed broke up <laughs> how did you live how did you live at the breakup of creed what did you do a few weeks earlier when fish broke up how did you survive without fish Fish is still together. That they weren't. They had broke up at the time. There was oh, a, there, there was a breakup period. Uh, they announced it on May twenty fifth. I looked it up. Uh, I was curious to see what was happening in music at the time. You know what else was going on uh, at the beginning of that year? Billy Corgan was saying wonderful things about Darcy and uh, oh. and James Eha. Boy, that was the that was during some of the dark darks. No, I'm always like six years behind on everything. So I was like trying. I was still like buying a whole bunch of 90s albums when this came out. The 2000s in indie rock, it started out with like tons of hype for the the Strokes and yep. the White Stripes. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I don't want to be listening to, you know, the, the modern rock with the Three Days Grace and the Creed and the Papa Roach and all that. And uh, the Linkin Park, which I eventually came around on. I was too cool for Linkin Park at the time. And I was like, yeah, and I like this Strokes and, you know, the White Stripes stuff. And I do, and I, I did, and I do. But they never really, like, I was like, man, these are good albums. I got them. I like them. These are pretty solid. But then, all at once, like, three songs dropped like a bomb into my life. And they were, like, immediately blew up. And they were, like, the greatest things I'd ever heard. They were Float On, Take Me Out. This one gets forgotten in the conversation. Somebody told me by the Killers. Oh. Yeah, and that one gets for- that one gets forgotten because... The Killers went on to write Mr. Brightside, and that's their song. Yes, it is. And that also came out in 2004. Yes. I beat the hell out of those albums. Uh, Franz Ferdinand, self-titled, 
Killer's Hot Fuss, and uh, Modest Mouse's Good News for People Who Love Bad News. Good year for people who like bad news. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I just didn't have that. I mean, I, I guess I was aware of, of of music that was coming out at the time. I, I was aware that the band that I really liked in high school was suddenly back for a new generation of high school kids to like, and that was Green Day. Oh, yeah, that's... That's what I remember. 2004, the year that American Idiot came out, and and all of a sudden, I it was the I think it was the first time that I felt a little old, like, <laughs> like time had moved past me, that all of a sudden this band that I loved in high school, that was the first blush of it. It's much worse now. By the way, yeah. that was 15 years ago. I was, <laughs> I was 24 uh, in 2004. Uh, I would guess that most of the listeners are probably about that age right now. Uh-huh. Um, so if you feel, if you ever feel that way, where you're like, I feel so old, it's going to get a lot worse. Uh, so <laughs> look forward to that. But yeah, like Green Day coming out, I remember that being a big deal. I also remember... Um, that was the year that Gwen Stefani kind of broke out Her and moved away from, uh, she did uh, a yeah. uh, live, uh, live angel music, baby, Love angel music, baby. whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I remember the song, um, that, what, what, what are you waiting for? Yes. The song everyone remembers from that album. Yes. Yep. I remember that. That was, I remember that liking that song because my, uh, my, oh, my, my friend Tara, uh, listened to it a lot. She was a big fan of, Gwen Stefani at the time, because that was also when Gwen Stefani was uh, starting to put out clothes under her Lamb yeah, label. Love Angel Music, baby. And, uh, and, and uh, yeah, and Lamb uh, apparently fit her body very well. And therefore, <laughs> she really liked Gwen Stefani. That's what I remember of that era for actual pop music. Yeah, well... Jeans. Gwen Stefani's jeans. I, d- I did a, like a whole like retrospective of like the top 100 uh, songs of 2004, and I went down through the list, and I picked out, you know, I did my top 10 worst list and all that, and I was expecting it to be a lot more rock heavy, because I remember, especially certainly compared to now, like in 2004 and in 2005-ish, like I remember rock still being like holding its own, maybe not the biggest thing in the world, but it was like out there. And then I look down this list, and it's nothing but like Little John stuff and Little John wannabe stuff. And Float Down was not a hit at all. Like according to the charts, not like a but big it, pop hit like people it think was. of it. Is. I yeah. think that music was so. I don't want to use the word segregated, but maybe that is the right word. Mm-hmm. Because if you were into, and I don't know how it is now to be honest, but in two thousand and four, I'll say this. It was really easy for me to find um, once I found one band that I liked. There was instantly 20 other bands, you know, that I could listen to immediately. And this was, you know, Spotify didn't really exist in a meaningful way or at all. I don't know. No, it didn't. Absolutely not. But, you know, I mean, this is the BitTorrent days, right? You right. know, the salad days of, you know, you just get a recommendation. You go to Pitchfork Media, you talk to your friends at the coffee shop or whatever, and they'd say, oh, you like this band? Here's 20 others, you know? And then they'd, they'd give you their iPod and you'd take it and you'd like, yeah. listen to some of that stuff and then you'd come and, and like put all that stuff that that you liked off of their iPod onto yours and I don't know that was that was it so it was really readily accessible and in 2004 there was no shortage of I think alt women groups or mm-hmm. like groups that had a lot of women in them and I mm-hmm. was very interested in that and had less interest in in a lot of the men who were out there at the time in fact, well, the I, only real male vocalist that I had an interest in in 2004 was Sufkin Stevens. 
Yeah, you listed off a whole bunch of names I haven't heard of in a long time. I can't remember the last time I heard the words deer hoof or Beulah. I was going to say, the thing that I really like about doing this stuff is that it reminds me of bands that I listened to back when I was young and cool. Mm -hmm. Quotes, cool. Uh, And most of those bands, not Beulah. Beulah, that was their breakup album. They called it Yoko for a reason. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, most of those bands have gone on and kept making albums, so now I can go and... See what they're up to. That's fun. But all right, so so these were two albums that hit you really hard. And since you made an April Fool's joke, you kind of <laughs> owe people. Do you want to talk about which one do you want to talk about first? Actually, you know what? Let's do the thing that we that we yeah usually we haven't do. That we haven't forgot to ask. Wow, we've been real assholes. Yeah, the, like thirteen minutes deep, and we haven't asked the question. All right, so you say these songs. What was the gut instinct? Where was your starting point choice? Float on immediately float on and i say that loving take me out very much float on is i don't know it's it it, if i made my top 10 of all time and float on might be up there can't say for sure but it makes me feel things that most songs don't make me feel i don't know just something about the uh the sentiment of it isaac brock the lead singer is like it's 2004 I was writing be- miserable song after miserable song. And I was like, do I have to do this? Like, can I just write one happy song? I mean, it was like 2004. It was bad news after bad news. Like, this was like a year after Mission Accomplished. So we were just getting like a flood of terrible, terrible fucking news all the goddamn time. And it was like very ser- clear at this point that like whatever good vibes we had from 9-11 were not going to last. It was going to suck for a very long time. Float On was written just as like, I just want one thing to be nice on this album. Just one thing to be happy in the world. And he wrote that, and it's not the happiest song in the world. It's a song about, you know, bad things happen, but we get through it. And we'll float on, we'll float past it. And certainly, like, I don't know if you know this, but if you'd asked me maybe like five years ago, maybe Float On would be a little lower in my estimation. But in 2019, where we also seem to be getting nothing but bad news after bad news, Float On means quite a lot to me again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I went, uh, my gut instinct told me, uh, take me out. How come? It was the tempo change. That's it. <laughs> That's literally it. I wish I had a, a you know, a, a really like those lyrics, really like this or that. It's the, it was the one thing, you know. I remember um, being too cool for this music, but hearing that song for the first time and that tone, just that all of a sudden the tempo just slows down and it becomes like, it's like, here's this one song and it's good. And then all of a sudden it M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> twists into a completely different even better song and it just melted my goddamn face off i was not expecting it at all well i was reading through the comments and you know i don't write down everything that comes down but a lot of people like in more than two said that that riff quote slaps and if there's any rock song that slaps it is take me out that song fucking slaps what does that mean i don't know Okay. We did not have that word in 2004. No, I think it, uh, yeah, I don't remember what we, we said in 2004. It, yeah, I, it rocks, it jams, it 
totally bodacious? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it jock jams. Uh, Y'all ready for this? Yeah. Anyway, the point is that was that. Was, so just for that reason alone, I listened to the two of them back to back afterwards. But I didn't even when I when I make my gut decisions, unless it's been a really long time since I've heard the songs, I'll usually just go. This is my response. And my response was take me out just because it mm. does it does this thing. And the thing is so goddamn good that I just it sticks out in my mind so completely. And Float On is a great song, and we'll talk about that in depth. But it doesn't quite have that. Like I like the the guitar that like do 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 yeah. like that is great, and the lyrics are good. But it doesn't have that dun 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 dun. dun. You can really Beavis and Butthead to that one. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. So uh, I mean, I, I don't play guitar. I play piano, but I absolutely play that dun, dun, yeah. dun, on my piano, and I absolutely headbang while I'm doing it. Yeah, it's it's, fucking, it's a it's a good feeling. Franz Ferdinand come, I think, a little post Strokes. Yeah, that's for sure. That's how it kind of sounds. And uh, I was like listening to that, and I was like, that's a that's a pretty cool sound, and I like that. This might be worth interesting. And then that tempo change hits, and it blew my mind. At the, you know exactly like you said it did. So all right, let's um, let's let's dig into to something. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a thing that I said before the the, the podcast started, and that is that there is a song before these songs that I feel uh, is the progenitor. It is the song that when I listen to it, I go ah, I this was the one that came out that people liked and set the stage for these other two songs because it's it's like, just like Muse it's got a little bit of the hard and a little bit of the soft and just just like uh, Franz Ferdinand Take Me Out it does a little bit of that shift with the tempo or like kind of goes to an unexpected place and that song is um, No One Knows by Queens of the Stone Age you know uh, you dropped that on me I didn't have a chance to absorb that but now that I think about it I, I do hear it you know dun 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, it's got a lot in common with those two songs, and it came out two years earlier. I wouldn't have made that connection because, you know, it does have that stomp to it. But I always thought Queens of the Stone Age was a lot heavier, and I I put them in like a different category. Like typically they are, and I mean that's the other thing that's sort of interesting, right? Because Modest Mouse, other than this one song, is float on is not representative of them oh, at no, all. Oh, no, it's not typical of them at all. Um, and I don't know that I would say No One Knows is the most um, Queens of the Stone Age song. I I think that that is one where you can especially see the the, the DNA of uh, one David Grohl. Oh, uh, uh, yes. I think you can really see his influence on that song more so than most of their stuff. And um, he's got that. I guess what I'm saying is, I think that Dave Grohl kind of had a, had a really big influence, do you think? Did you ever yeah. think that maybe Dave Grohl had a lot of influence on the rock and roll? How did, how, no, we're not, we're not going through that. But <laughs> yeah, you know, now that I, you know, when I listen to Franz Ferdinand, I, I think mo- mostly of like uh, the obs- obscure-ish, like late 70s post-punk bands like Gang of Four and uh, I don't know, a lot of those jagged guys that came out who were... Uh, much spikier than uh, you know the Clash or the Sex Pistols or the, the guys that came first. I f- I guess they kind of Queens of the Stone Age and Franz Ferdinand are very different bands. They kind of merge on that one point. Yeah, yeah. Just that one particular song. Um, weirdly, um, Float On 
Mm-hmm. You know who I uh, who I always think of, and I've never heard anybody else say it, and maybe I just haven't looked hard enough. But when I hear that song, I'm always like, "This would have been a great Talking Heads tune." Oh yes, you know I know you know I've always I've listened to quite a bit of Modest Mouse, and I never really thought to think who they sound like. But yes, Talking Heads is absolutely. This is a Talking Head song. Wow, yes. That's the, that's the one. That's what I always think of. It makes me think of, uh, there's something about this song in particular, because it's upbeat, despite the fact that things are bad, it makes me think of this song by the Talking Heads called Nothing But Flowers, which yeah. is a song about how, you know, the world has fallen apart, and now the flowers are kind of growing up through the concrete, but it's, I think, ultimately more upbeat, because it's the idea that, you know, things that end then begin again. Um, and I think that they sort of strike a similar mood. And I do think that, um, yeah, there's just a, a certain Talking Heads quality to this song in particular. Well, you know what it is? It's the, you got Isaac Brock and uh, David Byrne have that same yelp to their voice. Yes. Well! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Now I'm imagining Brock with, like, really big <laughs> shoulders. Just giant shoulder pad. That just reminds me of the the video where they're dressed, like, as, like, a, I guess, like, turn-of-the-century buskers or whatever with the giant mustache and everything actually now that i think about it those two videos were very similar or similar ish so i think that um in watching them again i think it's very clear that i mean like all right do you want to have that talk which which do you think is the better music video Uh, it's got to be take me out Wow, I can't believe this. <laughs> wow. This is I feel like we're back in our groove of being exact opposites. <laughs> I think unquestionably I prefer Float On because I think that Take Me Out is a lot of like, I don't know, it's like very graphic, mm-hmm. which is fine, but I like that Float On is sort of like, it feels like somebody made it in their shoebox, you know, yeah. and there's all these little things popping up like it's a diorama or like a, like a picture book. And I, I always thought that that was a little more creative. Yeah, the the take me out video is, all, is there's also a lot of cut out looking stuff, but it's more based off of like I guess like Soviet art or like East yeah. German at art. Fir- at first they look well. Uh, one of those guys um, had studied in Germany. I forget which one of them was, but yeah. one of the guys from France Ferdinand had been out studying in Germany before joining the band. But um, yeah, I also remember that I think at first they look kind of normal, like when mm-hmm. the first part of the song plays and then yeah. when it switches then they got like gears and they're like they're like steampunk borg and that's <laughs> yeah, fun that's, yeah that's a, a franz ferdinand looked the part they sure they had that awesome video and they also had that awesome album cover with just their uh name on it but it looked so cool and that's why i picked up that album and i love that song so much and can i tell you that album's not great i've never listened to it Again, I was way too cool. Yes. Honestly, I checked that out. I took, like I said, I had those album ruled my life. Well, not really that one, honestly. Like, I think there's a reason why you haven't heard much of Franz Ferdinand since then. Like, I, I heard, there's a, a review I read once. It was the, the the album, that a fastball album, the one with the way on it. Yeah. And the point, he says, like, a good song can make an album a great song can ruin it. And that's how I kind of how I felt about this is like, these are all just take me out, but without the tempo change. Oh, and that's kind of how they've always kind of sounded to me since. And I know people, there are some people who really like, uh, do you want to, there are other big ish hit, but they, they were never take me out ever again. Yeah. 
But what a song. Shit. That's the <laughs> thing. It's just, I, it's, that is kind of the difference, I suppose. Because Modest Mouse um, is a band that is beloved still. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, they'll put out material and people will go, still good. Right. Um, even though this is the only song that was an actual bona fide, you know, hit. Well, you know, that's the funny thing. I was looking at their discography. Their biggest hit on Billboard is Dashboard from the album after. It was like, it reached like the top 40 or something and Float On only peaked at like number 63 or something like that, which is absolutely insane to me because I don't remember ever hearing Dashboard outside of like once or twice on the alt station. Same. I have and, no memory of that, but Float On I remember being everywhere. Right. And it's insane to me that the, the charts don't reflect that. I mean, the Billboard charts are always kind of measured weird. And there's all, they're always questionable, but it's like, that seems wrong. That just seems absolutely wrong. I don't understand how that could happen. And, you know, they, Modest Mouse has a couple other songs. They had one, Ocean Breeze Salty, which was the one that came right after Float On. And they had Dashboard, which are, you know, you could imagine hearing that in the Walmart over the radio. They were big enough for that. But Float On was their hit. And they were, I remember a lot of people saying, that, like, oh, man, Modest Mouse sucks now. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> oh, man, I hate that. Um, well, who's the band that did the song The Middle? Jimmy Eat World. Yes. That was another band that that song came out, and I knew a bunch of people who loved Jimmy <laughs> Eat World, and they were like, fucking sell out. <laughs> no, I, rem- I, I, had, I was, saw someone on, on Twitter, like a critic, who's like, oh, man, I remember when the middle dropped and I knew Jimmy Eat World was about to be the best band in the world because I saw a lot of people saying they suck now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are my people. <laughs> Those and are it, my people. And uh, Modest Mouse kind of had the same, because when they did Moon in Antarctica in 2000, they put their uh, songs in some commercials, like a shoe commercial, a beer commercial. And I was like, no, I don't, I'm not ashamed of this. I need to eat. I want to live. Yeah, I mean, I think that we've slowly kind of come around on that. I mean, I think there's a, there's I mean, still well, the there's question no... of of how that works because there's still songs and bands that uh, are associated with uh, Apple commercials and such. Yeah. Well, this is weird because like indie rock is the sound of commercials now. It is, and it's that's that's it's it's kind of interesting to watch that. I don't know if evolution's the word, but that that. <laughs> that change progression but yeah i mean i don't know it's it it would be like um i mean i suppose it's 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 a little jarring sometimes but i don't know if it's quite as jarring as um when i think of the the like the concept of sellouts mm-hmm. the very first band i remember ever uh hearing get accused of being sellouts was metallica when they put out the black album oh right that's, that's right. what I mean that to again to 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 age me as high as I can go. I remember the black album coming out and Metallica fans being just massive dicks about it. But I don't remember honestly the 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 Modest Mouse Well, you'd have to be like bad. deep you'd have to be deep into the blogs to know all this stuff. Like cuz Modest Mouse in 2000 was a was a, a hipster band that had like you know a Couple hundred people show up at their at their shows. Maybe, well, maybe that's not quite so low, but but I mean, look, I'll say this: what I remember at the time was people still liking Modest Mouse, mm-hmm. but being annoyed that now they were going to show, they were going to go to shows, and there were going to be people there that just knew the one song. I, I tell you what, I uh, in two thousand five, I was reeling from my first big breakup, and Modest Mouse was in town, so I was like, you know what, I need to be among my people. I need to. <laughs> 
I need to get I need to get out of the house. I need to go see Modest Mouse, and I did, and they fucking ruled. But if you looked around, you would swear you were at a Dave Matthews concert. Like that was the crowd that showed up. Wow. Yeah. That's weird. It was weird. No, I I, I went to it with a girl I knew from work. From you know, we were both at we're gonna you know wait waiting at a restaurant. I went with. I went with her and my with, I mean, we showed up at the same time, but <laughs> like she was, that's too real. That's yeah. Too real. <laughs> no, she was talking. I was like, wow. I was like, I am among my people. I was like, yes, this is your people. Clarissa, this is not my people. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you could, you could, uh, you could hear every member of death cab for cutie and the Sembrists and a million other bands all just sigh and shake their heads. <laughs> that, it, that it had come to this. <laughs> Uh, and also be a little jealous. They're like, where's our money? <laughs> When's going to be our time? The Decemberists definitely got there. Um, but but now that I listen to Float On again, like it is definitely the most pop thing they ever did. Like it is weird because it is like such an indie rock song with like a weird yelp to it and weird lyrics. But it does kind of also feel like a, like a frat party anthem. Like you could get like you got a bunch of drunk guys together at the bar. You could like sing along and shout. And, you know, we'll all float on all right. It's kind of like a sea shanty kind of affect to it. All right. Already. We'll all float on. Yeah, I think that's um, that's not all right, though. That's uh, all right. <laughs> Shut up. You're welcome. Yeah. We should talk about the maybe the lyrics. Yes, we should. I feel like that's the that's that's the thing. That before we get to what other people thought, if there's a thing that would turn the tide towards uh, float on, it's probably the lyrics. Well, hold on. I want to say real quick that I really like the lyrics to take me out, and I think it's pretty clever. And uh, you know, I'm just going to cut ahead to one of the comments I got. Go right uh, ahead. Go right ahead. Uh, this one comes Flout from. Flout the formula. Yes. Joe DL writes like. It's the I can't get no satisfaction of the 2000s because it's a song about not getting laid, sung like it's about getting laid. JDL, do you want to co-host a podcast? <laughs> we have we have quite a few people in here I think would make great podcasters. Oh, okay. As we go along, consider yeah. making your own music podcast and we'll and we'll and we'll rep it. And by the way, as we get into the the lyrics on some of these, um I wanted to say that uh, as I was researching this, um, I had, uh, I was like, I'll just type in some of these songs and see like a, the music video and see if B there's anybody that talked about it. And, uh, there's a guy that I, I, I know I follow. I think you follow. I think he follows both of us. The rock critic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did a whole big video about, uh, float on. And, uh, and I wanted to say, uh, a, one thing that he said in it, which I really liked, which is that, uh, he'd had this personal experience of, um, he was sort of like he had, he left his job. Uh, and then his mom got fired and his dad got fired. Uh, and so they were all out of jobs at once. They, both, they all got fired on exactly the same day. Um, I think within like a couple of weeks of each other, I don't want to be apocryphal, yeah. uh, but that was, you know, that was the, that was the general presentation of it. Well, they'll float on. Good news is on the way. <laughs> right. And, and I kind of like that that was, um, the conceit. And I think that a lot of people in 2004 and, 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 uh, he was talking about this, that, you know, that was during that time where we were in a real recession and a lot of people were losing had, their jobs had the and, recession started yet i don't uh i think it was i think we were get. i think around 2002 to 2004 we were really starting to get into it but yeah i mean i would say the following um you should go and watch that video 
it's a good video and I don't want to just rip off everything <laughs> that he said. It's good. He has a lot of smart things to say about it. It was one of the things that I watched while I was researching. Well, uh, I tell you this, the the album is very good. And like I said, you can tell because a lot of people said that Modest Mouse started to suck. But Yep, it's always the first sign. But the major theme of that good news for people who love bad news is that like everything balances out and it seems like we're always getting nowhere. It's like for every bad thing that for every good thing that happens, one bad thing happens and we're not getting anywhere made no progress. And there's even a song deep in there. It's like the good parts of life aren't worth the bad parts of life. Like it gets pretty dark down in there and float on is the the one that's dares to say the opposite. And it feels like a profound statement coming from them. Not like if it came from your grandma, I was like, well, you know, every time God closes the door, he opens a window or some shit like that. You just blow it off. But because it's come from this guy who almost even kind of sounds a little sarcastic about it, and I've never been quite clear if he's sincere or not, but it felt a lot more meaningful for me coming from this, you know, uh, bitter hipster of a, of a guy. It's funny. I think I evaluate each of the examples he gives much in the way that I evaluate the examples that Alanis Morissette gives <laughs> for what represents irony. But um, most of them um, make sense to me. I think the only one that is always going to seem weird is the one about like he hit, he hit a cop car. The opening and the, line. Yeah. And then the, and the cop's like, well, it's all right. Everything's <laughs> going to be like he just he just he just leaves. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, you, sir. Are white. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he got said in twenty nineteen. Nobody is surviving. You hit a cop car. Yeah. it's gonna go south fast. I don't. Even, I mean, I'm sure there's forever a racial component, but I don't think anybody's getting away unscathed now. I don't know if you could get away with it in two thousand four. Honestly, well, it seems he, like fake news to he me. D- he does admit to getting scammed by a fake Jamaican. Well, yeah, because <laughs> that would have been not long after they had um, revealed down. that, that uh, yeah, or shut down uh, Cleo. Miss Cleo, yes. Miss Cleo was a uh, fortune teller with what I now realize in hindsight was a terrible, absolutely awful Jamaican accent who would advertise on infomercials on the, on the uh, TV. I don't know. I guess you could lose all your money to her. I, Enti- I hope- entirely possible. I mean, <laughs> people, look, here's, here's what I know, the following... I had friends. It happens. And intelligent friends. I'm not, you know, this is not meant to be an insult to anybody. But I think when you get this idea that there's a dark cloud over you, Mm -hmm. you'll, if it goes long enough, you'll believe anything. And I certainly have known people who, um, you know, got caught up where somebody said, there's like a black mark on your soul. And like, if you take uh, a shoebox and you put you know some twine in here and a stick there some dirt from this place and ten thousand dollars you know it's always yeah. there's always like a money component you know but they tell you everything else and it, it kind of slowly builds up and miss cleo i mean not that this really has much to do with the song but i do believe that you know in 2004 there were probably a lot of people feeling so stressed that you know yeah they could have been tricked by miss cleo or anything yeah well you know isaac brock has says like we were in such a rough place like he is, you know, he's going through drug problems or, and uh, someone, the drummer had had to break down. Yeah. And someone left the band. Was that the drummer? Yeah. 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 And that, that, so this album, uh, there's a different drummer. I believe it's the only, um, it's the only album that he's on, which, uh, I like that guy because the, the, the intro to float on gets me every time. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. And, uh, good mouth drumming. (laughs) I could, I could have been a beatboxer. 
I, I don't want to discount the lyrics that take me out, which are you know not as you know meaning you know emotionally meaningful as float on to me. But I think it is like really clever because take me out. It's fun to shout out, and you don't think about what it means. Like I'm sure there are some people out there who thought it meant was meant entirely romantically, and I'm sure there are people out there who thought it was entirely about uh, getting shot. Yes, and, or that they they were talking about yeah. You know, this guy that got shot and then there was a war. <laughs> yes. Goddamn you, Gavrilo Princip. <laughs> oh. I, I actually heard Franz Ferdinand released some, uh, some, some like EPs under the name The Black Hands or something like that, which was the secret society that murdered Franz Ferdinand. Wow. Weird. Yeah. It's, it's I don't know. Cl- if it's clever. <laughs> That's the thing about Take Me Out. Yeah. It's clever, and it's really hard in uh, in the mid two thousands to hear a clever song and not respond with, "How's that working out for you?" <laughs> no, but it was it was clever, you know. I and there's like a billion ways to take that. You can make take it entirely literally about shooting. You can be entirely about romantic, or you can be, as I had heard it called, about two snipers in love <laughs> who are about to kill each other. There you go. I, I, had, I had forgotten that Fight Club was from 1999. I think I just kept watching that movie on repeat for many years. <laughs> anyway, the point is, it made me think of Fight Club. But yeah, no, it's a great, it's a, it's a cool idea. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a fun way to sort of write a lyric. It's just that it's not really about anything. Well, you know, what, what is Uptown Funk about? You're not going to. Well, I mean, and that's fine, and that's a yeah. fair point. But this is one of those things that feels like the unofficial metrics yeah. for song versus song, which is what is the song about, and how much meaning does it therefore have for people? Yeah, like two people in particular, <laughs> us. Yeah, we're the most important people in the world. But, um, uh huh. <laughs> no, this is a def- definitely the take me outs appeal is the music. It's the it's the the sudden tempo change and the sudden uh, killer riff. Actually, I, I found a quote from uh, the lead singer Alex Capranos, where he's like, "When we first wrote it, we couldn't get the tempo right. The verses sound better, played faster, and the cor- chorus sound better, played a little slower, and we could never quite work it out. And then one day, I, one day I had the idea. I was like, "All right, guys, we're gonna take all the verses and put them at the beginning of the song, and then we're gonna slow it down and play all the choruses." It's kind of like that SpongeBob meme and Patrick's like, why don't we put the verses over here and put the choruses over here? And it's like so bizarre and so unexpected. And it is my favorite uh, move of all time. And like it's so I've heard tempo changes that did not work at all. I don't think We Are Young works very much. But oh. Take Me Out was fucking killer. And uh, Take Me Out. Yeah. Pat- uh, Patrick. <laughs> yeah that was my spongebob impression no i got it it was good it was really good thank I'm you not, thank you don't take the fact that i don't react to things as the meaning i don't feel things like, oh, okay <laughs> good good to know all right uh yeah. here's the thing that i didn't know um that is uh, um a fact so there's a i don't know if i have i mentioned paloma faith i did i mentioned paloma faith uh mm-hmm. when we were talking about the uh if i could turn back time Yes, I know who Paloma Faith is. Um, so I was not familiar with Paloma Faith until very recently she's because a, she's, she's in the UK. She's yeah. in the UK. She's a UK singer. She's been around for quite a while now. She's released a number of albums. She's pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she is on a TV show now called Pennyworth that I watch and like. 
And mm-hmm. so because I saw her on that and then found out that she was a singer, I went back and listened to a bunch of her stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's very good. Um, Only Love Can Hurt Like This is the is the one that um, is that we talked about. Yeah. Pretty decent song. Uh, but there's a song called Can't Rely On You that she mm-hmm. did with Pharrell. Right. Which absolutely uses the riff of Take Me Out. <laughs> absolutely. It is almost exactly the same. It was yeah. and it was it was written by Pharrell and 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 the the and the this lead guy wrote, "Hey Pharrell, I love your tunes. If you want to borrow a riff, just just ask." <laughs> that was on January thirty first, two thousand fourteen, on Twitter. Uh, and I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> you well, know, float on made its way into a into a big uh, hip hop hit. What was it? Uh, the show goes on by Lupe Fiasco. Oh right. And I remember really liking that song at the time. And in and in hindsight, it strikes me as kind of kind of lame. That was only like six years after Float On came out, and I was like, "Wow, this is how deeply embedded it is that it's already being sampled." That you know, six years is like an awkward length of time in the past. Like it's not cool enough to be retro, and it's not it's too recent to be you know up to date. So it's like that song must be that good that we are recycling it at this point in time. And I, I still stand by that. All right. Well, let me yeah. let me ask you um, the next question, which is, what did people have to say? Because we've been talking for almost forty five minutes already. Oh man, I got lots of feelings about Modest Mouse. Apparently, <laughs> Timber writes, "I like Take Me Out more, and I think it's the more interesting song. But I feel like I have to vote for Float On just because its chill escapism hits harder in late stage capitalist hell world." Timber, that be- you're abs- yes, that's <laughs> that is a strong argument to be made. Sometimes song versus song is conditional upon the time in which the songs are listened to. Yeah. Michael J. Smith writes, I feel like this is one where I kind of have to look at it as artist versus artist because both of these songs are equally amazing, catchy songs that I listen and sing to sing along to all the time. But Modest Mouse is the band that I own seven albums from. And Franz Ferdinand is the band I own this album from. Yep. <laughs> That's, yes, also a fair point. Thank yeah, you for your comment. I think, I think Franz Ferdinand was more of a singles band, really. Yeah. And they only had the one single. So Uh, Typhoid Steve writes, it's got to be float on. The former is invigorating. It gets me pumped up, but it can't compare to the splash of comfort float on brings. Being told everyone, everything is going to be okay by a growling, depressed hipster is like getting a compliment compliment from a known hard ass. (laughs) Yeah, I think that float on is that song that you uh, you go, you know what? not sure that I agree with my psychiatrist that it's time for me to take antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication. <laughs> and the way that I'm going to prove that that's right is before I go to my next session, I'm going to listen to Float On a lot. <laughs> and then when I get there, I'll seem fine. It's a mood stabilizer. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. Dave McGee writes, and I think this last name McGee is going to be relevant here, <laughs> two different songs for two different moods. But if you can vote Scottish, you vote Scottish. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. The, well, that was a big part of the conversation too. Is that most of the people from the UK were gonna? Oh yeah, they have no idea who Modest Mouse is over there. Yeah, I'm not sure we a whole lot ton of people know who Modest Mouse is over here, but certainly more than over there. Do a Scottish podcast. Um, <laughs> that song versus song. Oh uh, yeah, in a big, but say it with a Scottish accent. I actually don't know that it would sound that different. I I cannot do a Scottish accent. I've tried. I but can, it, we can do. I, I, a, I can do one badly. Yeah, can do in a big country versus uh, I'm going to be 500 miles. There you go. We'll get there. I think I think big country is Scottish. 
I don't, I don't, I don't know. But whatever, whenever we do two Scottish bands, you get to work on your Scottish accent because we're going to pretend to be Scottish the whole time. Yeah. And everyone will love it. <laughs> no, I'm already tired of me <laughs> thinking about it. Uh, Emma Kitson writes, Modest Mouth is such a prolific, important band to me, but uh, I will never forget seeing a weird daytime Modest Mouse concert as a high school student. It was relatively tame until they played Float On at the very end, and out of nowhere, all of these military bros float in and were wildly fist-pumping. I never quite felt the same way about Modest Mouse again after that. That's weird. Isn't it? I mean, look, sometimes you write a song that speaks to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unless you're too hip. Uh, that was a joke. Yeah. I was, in fact, kind of snobby in 2004, but I don't in 2019 think I am. Yeah. I was actually too cool. I know. I don't know. Well, you never know. Yeah. We, Someone we, out there is going to listen and take it literal. I'm not being serious. Yeah. No, I... I my sarcasm has been mistaken for uh, sincerity constantly over the course of my life. So if you ever feel the need to clarify that I am joking, go right ahead. Yeah, no, I I, I thought I was cool in two thousand four. I definitely wasn't, and yeah. I am significantly less cool in two thousand nineteen. Yeah, uh, Jackie Sailor writes. Hi, uh, Jacqueline could also be a podcaster for us. For the record, okay, here we go. Uh, she just writes flat out, and I agree with this totally. Uh, Isaac Brock sounds so utterly beat down, mutilated, and fucked up by life that he achieved Nirvana. Only a band as hamily unfazed as Modest Mouth can make such an ugly sounding track sound so beautifully perfect. And I, uh, I 100% co-sign that. The fact that he is like scream yelping all his lines really helps the song for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, thank you for the comment. Hey, I wanted to say that uh, um, Diego Diaz wrote something. Oh, that I, was I, like. gonna, I was gonna read it. Oh, that was really? Like, I was My experience with bo- Oh, okay. All right. So save it for the end. It's really good. Yes. Diego Diaz writes. My experience with both of these songs began from the weird Al Polka they were in. You're goddamn right. They did. All um, right. Already, we'll all float on. That that one being Pokerama. Yes. One of his better ones. Let me uh, let, well, let me ask you something. What's when you think of a song? What's the first song you think of that you associate more with a Weird Al polka medley than you do with the actual song? There is one song on there uh, he did once called uh, Method of Modern Love by Hall & Oates. I have never heard the actual song. I can hear... If you brought it up, I was like, oh, yes, it's that song from the melody, uh, from the polka medley. M-E-T-H-O-D-O-F-L-O-V-E. It's the method... (laughs) And I'm like, I have no idea what that song could possibly sound like as an actual Hall & Oates song. We'll have to look it up. Yeah. Um, for me, it's, um, it's the, it's the poke off, off the deep end. And I know this is going to be terrible, but it's the Humpty Dance. <laughs> and I like the Humpty Dance very much, but whenever I hear it, I hear, the Humpty Dance is your chance to do the hump. Do me, baby. <laughs> it's just, it's good. It's Weird yeah. Al singing that song is just... <laughs> it's just such a such a perfect thing. Uh, anyway, uh, all right. So have either have either of us been moved to change our opinion? I have not. Um, I think that I I have. Aha! Uh-huh. I, I I don't I don't know if I've ever uh, swayed an opinion on here before. Um, I don't know if I did it, but well, I think this. I mean, I was in the research. I found myself being moved. I would say I was moved by the things that people said, the things that you said, and the mm. things that the the rock critic was actually the the first one that made mm. me go, oh. So again, watch that video. It's very good. Oh, who do you think won? Uh, I I genuinely do not know. I 
remember at one point looking at the tweets and someone commenting that it was a tie at one point, which I, I absolutely believe. Yeah, no, I forgot to read. Uh, like there, there was a lot of conflict in the comments of like we didn't know what to do. I wanted to read one from Yvette, which she just wrote. The maid from Clue. No. I can't wait. She just I her answer to which one was better. She just wrote sweats like in asterisks. <laughs> in asterisks like (laughs) fair yeah but yeah it was tied at one point at some point one of the others pulled away for a total of 355 to 342 whoa for a win of 50.9% to 49.1 not even a whole percent (laughs) yeah okay the the winner is take me out what (laughs) we both lose (laughs) Don't we always? But we'll float on. Good news is on the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it. Um, I, wow, I'm so shocked. No two songs have been more well-matched, I think, in the entire time I've done this. Like, that's a, that's a, killer, that's a killer entry right there. I've been, I think I was waiting to do this the entire time we've been uh, <laughs> podcasting. So what you're saying is it's all downhill. Great. Yes. What's the next episode, Todd? <laughs> well, uh, I thought it was a... Uh, uh, getting a little hipstery in here, so I'm going to switch it up a little. Uh, we are going to do, and I didn't clear with this, so he's he's on the edge of his seat. <laughs> We're going to do Superstition by Stevie Wonder versus Shining Star by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> I <sighs> Oh, I have no idea where I'm going to land on this either. <laughs> I gotta, I'll say this. No matter what we choose... We are not qualified to answer these, to answer this question. No, we are. Uh, please, please. The more, the more comments we get on this episode uh, that's coming up, the better. Please, please, please vote and especially comment. Yeah, well, uh, on the next poll. Like, even if we don't have enough funk in our soul, I feel like these two songs belong to everyone at this point. I think that's probably right, but I, 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 I also asterisk. <laughs> sweats <laughs> oh gosh all right well that's the episode thank you very much for listening as always um if you uh are you listening to the podcast thank you for listening we really appreciate it um if you're not subscribed to the podcast think about subscribing to it. if you've never given a review think about giving a review it helps us out a great deal and also we've got a patreon and every month we do one episode that is a patron exclusive. The last month we just put it out. It was uh, for the movie Judy. Starring a, Renee Zellweger. A, a, a movie that one of us really liked a lot. And the other one uh, is Todd. <laughs> I liked it. Um, <laughs> I think one of us liked it more than the other. Yeah. But, you know, to, to wet your whistle. But it, it was a good conversation, I think, that we had. And we've done a lot of them now. And, you know, it costs mm-hmm. $1. And then you can go back and literally listen to all of them. See what we thought about Blind by the Light. Rocket Man, Ugly Dolls. Ugly I Dolls, <laughs> I truly, truly. Somebody commented that they uh, they said, I can't believe this was the thing that got me to finally uh, pay money for this podcast. And I, I thought, I don't know what brought you to this place, but I'm grateful that you're here. Um, so that's it. Uh, and uh, the next episode is going to be impossible again. Yeah, just another impossible episode. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Todd. And uh, and again, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. All right, see ya. Mm-hmm.